to scare the cats. All right. Okay. Um, uh, just emergency podcast, breaking news. Facebook and Instagram are down with Twitter possibly to follow, then email and Zoom to follow that, then MS, SMS texting. It's all going down. We all know that this is a presage to a global communications blackout. This means one thing and one thing only. Uh, Jack and on is real. The traitors are being rounded up. They, uh, it's happening now. We must support the regime. The storm is here. Sit back and watch the show, folks. Enjoy. Joe Biden, with his media ally, Academics, sent out a message this morning at 9 a.m. Academics posted... Uh, Joe Biden made a speech about the vaccine mandate. Need it or keep it. Need it or keep it is code. Uh, which <laughs> members of the government will be needed in the coming storm? Which ones will be kept in Guantanamo? Think about it, though. Where do all the traders to this country communicate? Facebook. Yep. Yeah, that's their main hub. Where do all the fake people communicate? Instagram. Mm-hmm. In one fell swoop. Jack Anon is taking them all out. They're being rounded up, folks. All the traitors, all the fake friends, uh, they're gone. We're saying bye-bye to them now. And just this brief, brief period of communications blackout is, I think, a small price to pay um, for the fact that we're finally getting some things done in this country. Absolutely. Yes. Round up some sickos. And uh, I've, got, I've got, you know, I've got, I got four words for you gentlemen that um, will sum up, you know, how I'm feeling right now. Let there be carnage. That's right. Uh, Venom 2 is out. Movie Magic is back. We, we saw Venom 2 last night. It is one of the only movies you can see that has a story credit by Tom Hardy. <laughs> and oh boy, can you tell. <laughs> I knew I was in for a good time when in the first, the first 30 seconds of Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, uh, they they had some like teenager playing a young Woody Harrelson that they dubbed Woody Harrelson's voice over. It was absolutely it was, awesome. <laughs> it was yeah. fairly especially considering the fact that Woody Harrelson has looked the same for forty years. <laughs> yeah, you could literally just like Woody Harrelson with like an Instagram filter. You could be like, oh yeah, that's him as a teenager. There were some amazing choices in this movie, <laughs> both aesthetically, uh, narratively. Can we talk in about every sense? Can we talk about the scene where Venom went to the club and came out of the closet? Yeah, no, Venom goes to like a pride Halloween party and is like, I'm sick of hiding that I'm an alien. And everyone like cheers for him. He's an eight foot tall goop alien. Is like, I'm coming out of the Eddie Brock closet. And everyone's like, yay, we love your costume. It's Plur. Uh, we, we were saying that the best thing about Venom, and this is holds very true in this movie probably truer than the original is that with like the other marvel movies it'll be like you wait till the end credits and there's a scene with like some bullshit superhero that you didn't see before and it's an easter egg that's set up by like three seasons of a show that's on like a special tier of disney plus that's only available to dental hygienists and like there's all this work you have to do and it's supposed to like pay off huge for lore heads and like every, everything has like an explanation and like a backstory and they're going to like squeeze every dollar out of this by making a series about every character that's ever been referenced in any of the Avengers movies. But with uh, Venom, they're like, uh, yeah, no, there's a goo alien and then there are monsters are real. We're not going to explain that. Um, the goo alien can replicate if a guy bites you and make a str- and it will make a stronger goo alien. 
the entire plot of the movie is that Eddie Brock slash Venom gets bitten by a crazy guy and it causes the crazy guy to become a stronger ghoul alien than Venom. But Venom still beats his ass and wins. Um, two, two, quick, two quick things of notes here. Uh, you know, no spoiler alerts, no spoilers. But um, number one, Venom 2, even more goop than the first Venom. So fans yes. of goop will not be disappointed by this. And this time with the red Venom, the goop looks even more penis-like than it did before. I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking throbbing veins here. So we've got plenty of goop. Um, uh, just s- second thing of note. Um, I have been, I've been a fan of the Spider-Man comic books my whole life, obviously. I'm a huge Peter Parker head. And if there's one thing I was waiting for for, for decades now is when are they going to put Shriek in a Marvel movie? When am I going to see Shriek on film? When am I going to see the iconic character Shriek, the lady that yells loud, um, portrayed on film? And I got to say, Naomi Harris did a spectacular job. I mean, we all, we all remember Shriek from the comic strip. Yeah, Shriek was kind of the breakout star in the 90s of comics. I went to Shriek three Halloweens in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Venom, um, is, Venom is a movie magic experience. You got you to gotta get your friends, get your soda, and tuck in for exactly 90 minutes, including credits. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. None of this fucking bullshit where it's like, oh, our movie, yeah. our CGI movie is three hours long to like maximize like what Netflix or whatever gives us. Like it, to to maximize like at the shareholder meeting for Disney to be like, people watch Disney Plus on an average of seven hours because all our movies are that long. It's like, no. There's only 90 minutes worth of shit in this. Like, barely. This is, like, <laughs> legally as long as we can make this movie. <laughs> um, if, I have, if I have just one, one mild critique of Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, there was not nearly enough Lady Venom when Michelle Williams gets the Venom symbiote and she becomes a sexy Lady Venom. There was, it was only on screen for, like, barely even 30 seconds. And, like, you know, it just wasn't well lit or defined enough i just think they should have spent a lot more time um i think the camera loves lady venom it's so funny that this is michelle williams (laughs) is in venom (laughs) (laughs) they got her twice (laughs) like she was she's been in all these like real movies like with, with tom hardy it makes it like tom hardy is like the type of guy where it's like they describe what venom is to him and he's like oh that's me that's what I feel like. <laughs> but like she's like a real at like they're both real yeah. actors, but like yeah. she's like she's almost like mostly in real movies. Like ninety eight percent of her roles. Like sometimes the girl's gotta get gooped though. Yeah. I mean I guess like it's like they're like here's like seven million dollars to be like a goo lady. To say to say like maybe twenty lines of dialogue. But it it just is it is like funny to me. It's like if it's like if they made a third one and like Kate Blanchett is Venom's mom. I mean they already did. Kate Blanchett was uh the, 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 the evil god in, in Thor. Oh yeah, I guess oh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen those movies. All right. Well, uh, just enjoy, uh, enjoy. Let there be carnage, folks. Enjoy. Let there be carnage because post um, this evening, after the global communications blackout and the storm commences, uh, Venom Two: Let There Be Carnage will be the only movie or televised entertainment that you will be allowed to see, and rightly so. It's it's, is, all, yeah. it's all due to Biden. All, all praise due to Biden. I, yeah. He brought, I, he brought movies back, and he's making sure that Venom Two is the only movie that will ever be back. No, yeah, we saw the coming attractions. Movies are back. They are back. There's uh, the. Halloween Kills, New James Bond, which like might as well be a story about Joseph Robinette Biden. 
<laughs> no time then, to die. No no time. No <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally no to, no time left in the Joe Biden story. Um, uh, and then there's the movie where the moon crashes into the earth. That These are all amazing. movies you could imagine yourself seeing with Joe Biden. You could uh, imagine him making a comment about, you know, Michelle Williams's body, and then you feel something like wet and cold on your knee, and one of his one of the two scoops from his ice cream fell onto your knee, <laughs> or, it's, or it's and just he's like, oh, he's like, oh man, that's why you get two. <laughs> all right, well. Uh, Felix, we got a Felix did an interview with uh, someone from WikiLeaks. Uh, Felix, you want to you want to? It's bump all about to... Venom. <laughs> I asked him about what he thinks is going to be in Venom. Uh, what characters he think will, thinks will come back. What uh, like what he wants like explained with like symbiote abilities. Whether Carnage will be physically stronger or not as smart. Like how important it is when the symbiote and the host are in concert. Similar to Venom and Eddie Brock, I mean, <laughs> is WikiLeaks is WikiLeaks going to get to bottom, get to the bottom though of the cryptic line read at the end of Venom Two, <laughs> "Let There Be Carnage," where Stephen Graham's character, who's already dead, his eyes glow blue and he says, "Monsters." Yeah, that's the what, best what's coming thing down. About what's Venom. coming down the pipe? That's the best thing about Venom. That'll ne- it'll ju- they're just like yeah, monsters are like real. There's like a Dracula that Venom fights. <laughs> that's the third movie. They're going to be like. Oh yeah, it's Venom versus like the Boogeyman or whatever. Remember, it was like uh, we were watching like I don't know uh, the twenty with uh, we were watching the twenty before the movie, and then it came up. It was like get your tickets now, and it was like Venom, Spider Man, No Way Home, and then Morbius, and then Felix just says out loud in the theater, "What the fuck is Morbius?" <laughs> and that is what I asked Christian Hrafson, editor in chief of WikiLeaks. All right, Kristen, well, let's, what's Morbius? No, I had a, I had um we had a we had a very important interview about uh. What the U.S. and U.K. governments are doing to Julian Assange, the horrible precedents that the extradition case against him sets, and a rare thing for our show, Songs of Hope. Uh, it is a very vital interview. This is not being covered enough in most American media. And uh, I, again, want to thank Kristen for uh, giving us his time on this. Well, after that interview, we'll be talking Kirsten. Cinema, that is. Yeah, that's right. What, what's what's this Daffy Dame up to? What's her deal? All right, let's uh, let's go to the interview, and we'll be back in a little bit. Everyone, uh, as some of you may have read this week, there was a Yahoo News report that in uh, 2017 and 2018 that the Trump administration, and specifically the Pompeo CIA, was planning on several extrajudicial means of dealing with Julian Assange. These included planning a shootout outside the embassy in London to kill Assange, shooting out the tires of a Russian aircraft if the Russians tried to extract him, and numerous other completely illegal things, the likes of which we have not really seen since Church Committee limited hangout. But uh, joining us today in light of these revelations is... uh, WikiLeaks Editor-in-Chief, Kristen Hrafson. Uh, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So um, for those who don't know, for those who haven't been keeping up with this, because it's really not something that's covered in American media. This is just not something that people want to talk about and uh, journalists haven't really enjoyed covering. Um, Assange has been in Belmarsh Prison since uh, 2019 after... 
Ecuador kicked him out and they've recently in the past year revoked his citizenship. But this isn't the first extrajudicial thing that you've known about with regards to the embassy. Like there was the Spanish spying case that came out uh, a couple of years ago, but this can't come as like a huge surprise to you. I mean, this is what they do. Well, to be honest, uh, it came as a surprise uh, to read about how far the CIA uh, was willing to go in this campaign or this war against WikiLeaks, you know, spearheaded by Mike Pompeo. Uh, I wasn't surprised about some of the elements of the story. It was known to us. And we had uh, intel that uh, some of this was going on, this uh, these measures uh, that we're taking against uh, Julian. You mentioned a Spanish case. This is uh, a criminal proceedings in, in Madrid against the uh, um, the, uh, the owner and the director of uh, a security company called UC Global was a, that was hired to secure Julian Assange inside the embassy, but uh, they turned the coat and uh, actually were bribed by the CIA to, to spy uh, for the CIA, um, you know, and actually offer live streams from uh, cameras within inside the embassy and from uh, hidden microphones that these, uh, um, uh, this company uh, employees were putting in place there. It was extraordinary to learn about that. And that was, uh, uh, we, we know, you the elements of that through testimony of former employees who were protected witnesses uh, in the, uh, in the case, uh, which is now still ongoing in front of a, a magistrate court judge in Madrid. But uh, on top of that, of course, we are now hearing this, uh, these outrageous uh, plans that were concocted, kidnapping and, and renditioning Julian. Uh, in the embassy and these uh, shootouts, uh, 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 you know, crashing into cars and shooting tires of airplanes and what have you. And that was surprising, the length of it. it, it uh, and, the, and the fact that is chilling is that this was not just rogue elements, you know, on a lower level within the CIA. This has come straight from the top. It was Pompeo himself who, uh, according to these numerous sources, uh, who uh, supplied information to Isikov and, and his two pals in this article, 30-plus um, of them, uh, that basically directed to this in this, uh, uh, this manner and saying that nothing was off the table, there are no boundaries, uh, we want him, this is just a you know, total uh, revengeful bloodlust on his behalf. Uh, and uh, the fact that this was being discussed on the highest level, uh, it uh, even was discussed in the White House and the Department of Justice, you know, the, on the top level of the Trump administration. That uh, that uh, that was uh, surprising to me too, uh, to some extent, uh, how far it actually went. Yeah, I recall in uh, 2017 and 2018, there was, it was one of those articles that seemed to come out every month uh, from the Trump White House, where it would be something about like, oh, Trump suggested something totally ridiculous that's like, 10 degrees outside the realm of possibility of what we already do. And in this case, with regards to WikiLeaks, it was him just asking Pompeo, could, you know, can we just kill him? 
And at the time it was played off as like, you know, even among more liberal interventionists and people in that foreign policy blob is like, well, you know, we 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 just want to torture him forever. We just want to send him to Gitmo. It would be ridiculous to kill him in London. And now we find out that this was a normal position to hold in the U.S. security state and probably has been for a while. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there are indications, according to the story, this, this goes actually back to the Obama era, uh, some of these elements, uh, you know, trying to find legal ways and means to actually carry, it out, carry this out, uh, uh, quote-unquote, legally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the, the decision or the idea to, uh, to sort of redefine uh, Julian and actually a couple of other journalists, at least uh, such as Laura Poitras and Glenn Greenwald, who was working on the Snowden material, um, not as journalists, but uh, information brokers, uh, to uh, sort of strip them of their journalistic credentials and to open up uh, uh, the possibility of, of taking extreme measures against them. Uh, this was being discussed uh, the article in Yahoo News, you know, says that the the plan or the idea to uh, to kidnap Julian or even uh, assassinate him, you know, went uh, went further back than to the uh, to Trump era. So this is uh, nothing new, nothing new. And I mean, if you if you look even further back, I mean, back in 2010, 2011, when we were publishing the uh, explosive stories and from Afghanistan and Iraq and, and uh, Guantanamo and diplomatic cables uh, causing such fury that it's on record that uh, Hillary Clinton, then Secretary of State, sort of uh, openly raised the idea that uh, whether they couldn't just drone this guy, meaning Julian Assange. And uh, from description of, of, of uh, that scenario from those who were present, uh, they sort of... Uh, uh, laughed in a stifled manner because, you know, they, they felt and understood that this was not entirely just a joke that was dropped. But uh, uh, so th- this has been a this law this war has been going on for a very long time, uh, and escalating into this uh, scenario in 2017, following the uh, release of uh, Vault Seven, which was the, the revelation of. Uh, um, the the uh, CIA cyber arsenal and the the nature of the tools. It is sometimes wrongly uh, reported that 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 uh, WikiLeaks were exposing or publishing the actual the, the actual tools, but that's wrong. We were basically uh, exposing the existence of the tools and how how they were being uh, possibly used uh, and planned to be used in. In infiltrating even home appliances, you know, like televisions, etc. Um, that uh, was a huge embarrassment for the CIA. Uh, Pompeo was director. Uh, a few weeks later, uh, he, in his first public appearance, went to uh, the podium in a public event and talked about the two major dangers facing the United States of America. That was Al Qaeda and WikiLeaks. You know, you, we were stunned to, to hear that. And then he dropped this uh, this new, uh, carefully crafted definition. With although people didn't recognize it at the time, but this was uh, not just something he was dropping, uh, you know, at the spur of the moment. Uh, defining WikiLeaks as a non-state hostile intelligence service, 
Um, we on the inside at Wikileaks instantly recognized that this was a, a very bad signal. This was basically saying that uh, this is close off. Now anything is possible. When you did designate somebody as a spy, a hostile foreign spy, which was basically the case there, everybody knows what that means. I mean, that's uh, in the extreme cases, uh, you know, a license to kill. And there is no oversight and it opens the door to uh, uh, all kinds of new measures without having to get approval, um, so-called you know, uh, offensive uh, counterintelligence uh, measures. And uh, at that point, uh, we knew that uh, this, there was, there was a, a danger, a huge danger, that they would actually carry out some of these, uh, these plans. And uh, they seem to have come very close, according to the, the story that, that came out in Yellow News. The sense that I've kind of gotten from the outside of this is that this was always obviously a desire within the U.S. national security state. This was one of the one of those things that's kind of on the back burner of empire where, you know, if you go by those Hillary state emails and you go by things that people on the other side, people at like places like Foundation for Defense of Democracy, both the liberal and neocon side it seemed like from like, yeah, 2010 until Trump, it was like, okay, this fell into our lap. If there was an easy way that wouldn't immediately piss everyone off, we would kill him. But we're not, we're not going to spend all our time on this. We'll make his life hell. We'll smear him, but we're not going to go out of our way. But it seemed like Vault 7 changed a lot of that. It seemed like Vault 7 made it a more active priority as we saw with Pompeo and the other people in the uh, NSC. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely correct. It just uh, seemed that uh, at that point, there was a, a, a huge pressure. And to the extent that, it, uh, you know, it, it alarmed a lot of people in, in the inner circle, actually, at the CIA. And, you know, uh, lawyers at the White House were worried. Uh, and uh, you know, this was uh, such a such rage and such revenge motivated it uh, was just uh, totally insane to uh, to think that this could uh, be actually carried out and concocted i mean I, and and definitely if julian would not have been in the heart of london in a building you know behind harrods uh, uh, you know there's no doubt in my mind that they would have carried this out so you know that it the things that stopped were sort of hesitation. Can we, you know, break into an embassy in the center of London and kidnap an individual and rendition him to a third country? Uh, well, that might uh, not go down well with the Brits. We better ask them. And uh, they didn't like the idea. <laughs> uh, and the lawyers were, you know, debating, well, if you rendition him, if you kidnap him, if we if we put him on a black side somewhere, that might actually hurt our possibilities of uh, uh, prosecuting him. Even though we've been trying for years and years to find an angle to uh, build an indictment, we haven't found one. And that's an interesting point there, actually. That you know, it's apparent that the indictment that was hurried together and rushed together and and uh, uh, under seal was a a deliberate reaction to all these extreme measures that were being thrown around in these circles. And there was a pressure put on the Justice Department. You know, you have to you have to come up with something uh, uh, because you know if we if we kidnap him, 
we want to have some legal paper to show, you know, he's a criminal. Uh, so, and that goes to show what the, the political nature of those things. It's a political persecution, that, as, as, as we have always said. Uh, and uh, so that's that's the how all that came about, which is interesting. This is has nothing to do with the law at all. This is about revenge, uh, a revenge of of the empire for uh, and a reaction to uh, to first class journalism. I mean, that's it, it's is nothing else. It is an attempt to criminalize journalism. That's what putting everybody, you know. Uh, uh, pausing now, saying, you know, listen, this has to end. This is jeopardizing, you know, uh, journalism all over the world. Yeah. So the indictment that they have rolled out a few years ago, it seems like they're trying to cobble together like a conspiracy charge on attempted hacking and not even really that. It's they're, they're, it, This was the thing that they called Chelsea Manning in to testify again and threw her in contempt for. But they're saying that Assange entered the wrong password into a password hash, I think it was. I mean, the, 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 there are two elements in the indictment. I mean, there is there are these 17 charges uh, uh, based on the Espionage Act, and that's basically just for receiving and publishing information. That's journalism. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's equating uh, equating jur- uh, you know journalism with, with espionage, which is in itself, you know, uh, of course, you know, even even the lawyers in in, in the Obama Justice Department said, you know, we cannot we cannot go this down this road because that's uh, we have a New York Times problem, as they said, because there's no way to distinguish between what WikiLeaks published and what the New York Times published. Uh, so they said we we cannot do this. So the the work started to try to actually sort of strip the journalistic credential of Julian, try to depict him as a hacker. And uh, they came with this 18th uh, uh, indictment, which is sort of uh, the gateway into the, the judicial system. Uh, that's the so-called hacking charge. It is not a charge that Julian hacked anything. It is uh, 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 an accusation that Julian conspired with, with Chelsea Manning into uh, uh, getting access to, uh, to information that she did not have, which is basically wrong. Now, originally, this so-called hacking charge was was so poorly substantiated in 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 in, in the original form that uh, it was basically a laughing stock. You know, if you read through it, I mean, you you if, if this matter was not so serious, you would laugh this off. Uh, what is determined or by the Americans to be Julian, not even confirmed, uh, in a chat with, uh, with Chelsea Manning, saying, um, you know, basically, do you have uh, more? And uh, Manning replying, no, well, well, I'm I'm dry. And uh, and the person on the other end saying, curious in my in my experience, curious eyes never run dry, and and it's it's frequently cited this. Curious eyes never run dry as a confirmation of the conspiracy in the act of, of, of hacking. In the proceedings in the London court, uh, expert witnesses, actual former computer experts from the US military, basically tore apart all the arguments in, in, in this sort of these hacking charts. It was nothing. 
they showed that there's this basically this sort of hash value, which is not a, a password even. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a discussion whether whether it could be provided. Would have, would have if the assistance was provided, but it never was. Would have given Chelsea Manning access to a, a, a drive with no secrets on it. Is sort of a, a segment in the computer network, which was would have been able to uh, her to download music videos and films without being noticed, because you know that's against the this the manual in the military sitting in the out in the desert in Iraq. So, and what they did on that that occasion in the middle of the proceedings in London is that they abandoned and, and added to the indictment. Uh, especially to try to fortify the hacking charge and introduced all kinds of totally irrelevant uh, scenarios actually from my home country in Iceland, where Julian was supposed to have uh, been telling people to hack into banks and uh, 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 police, hack into uh, uh, members of parliament phones in, in, in Reykjavik, Iceland, and what have you. All this is based on a, on a on a witness who stole money from WikiLeaks and was sentenced for that. He's also a, a court-defined sociopath and a, a sex offender mm-hmm. uh, that didn't stop the, the DOJ from working with him. And lo and behold, last spring, this guy goes on an interview and actually withdraw the entire thing. I thought at this point, you know, he was a key witness. He was the only witness. I thought at this point, well, you know, for heaven's sake, that that, that this is this is this is totally collapsed. This case. That was the view of Edward Snowden and a lot of other people who were following this. But they followed through with the, the attempt in London to uh, uh, get an appeal, which they were granted, uh, to try to overturn the decision from January fifth uh, that Julian Assange should not be extradited. But certainly, I mean, after the latest revelation, you would think, uh, you know, that this must be the end of the road. Uh, there must be some political strategy, strategic thinkers in, in Washington thinking and, and seeing that uh, this will hurt the Biden administration. This will not get any better. This will just get worse and worse. They must put an end to this. Yeah, it. they went through incredible lengths. I mean, obviously everything in the Newsweek story, but then this hasty indictment. And then everything that came after that, after the uh, inauguration of Moreno in Ecuador. I mean, they basically gave, they bribed Ecuador through IMF loans. Before talking with you, I did see something that was interesting that it's a Mueller investigation thing. So you take it with a grain of salt that Moreno allegedly met with, uh, Paul Manafort, the Trump campaign manager in 2017, uh, supposedly about giving up Assange to, uh, America, while Moreno was vice president. I mean, who knows with that? All, all, all those like foreign meetings. It just, it seems like every other one seems to be totally fabricated. But it seems clear there was an intent by Moreno to do this for a little bit at least. And they, you know, in, in Ecuador, they've basically charged a guy with being friends with Julian Assange, Ola Bene they have him in kind of a similar situation where he is, he's essentially being charged with hacking into a computer system that 
with a company that he already had an agreement with that they that they themselves say he didn't hack into. And clearly a similar angle here, just torturing and putting pressure on someone just, you know, out of vindictiveness, out of, out, out of, you know, acting as a proxy for the U S it is, it is punishment through proceedings. And uh, yes, they, I mean, incredible pressure was put on Ecuador in, in those days. And, uh, Lenny Moreno. And I mean, there is no doubt in my mind, uh, there's no coincidence that at the same time, uh, Julian is 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 uh, arrested when the Ecuadorians allow the British police into the embassy in April 2019. Uh, that uh, Ecuador is granted debt relief and new loans to the IMF and World Bank, uh, billions of dollars. I mean that's that's no coincidence. And you can see that in the uh, travels. I mean, uh, uh, Mike Pence uh, did travel to Ecuador. Uh, there was uh, this was tit for tat. It's uh, it's not complicated. This is just how things work in, in politics. You know, they wanted him desperately, and uh, they wanted uh, and they pressured Ecuador to open the doors and let him run. Yeah, just for context for listeners who are not following Ecuadorian politics, Moreno. Uh, a lot of this is unrelated to WikiLeaks, but he probably the single most unpopular elected world leader right now. He's sitting at somewhere between five and 9% approval rating and actually had to move the capital in 2019 because they lost control of the streets to protesters after a uh, Moreno attempted to uh, halt a, I think it was a fuel subsidy, but I, I am interested. Why, from your perspective, why do you think vault seven ramped up the heat so much why do you think it it got them so pissed off that they'd go to these lengths well i think you have to just uh, see this as uh from a, a perspective of the person who is uh, has just uh, arrived as a new director uh, the cia had been making fun of the nsa for losing their secrets to uh to Bruce snowden uh and uh now it was simply their turn and uh so that that caused this rage, and uh, when people act in rage, you know they do not uh, act intelligibly or or rationally, and uh, definitely this article in the Our News, which has not been, you know, uh, refuted, but even by uh, Pompeo, uh, who actually went on record uh, saying now that uh, the the sources should be. Uh, prosecuted for revealing the secrets of inside the CIA, which basically is, a, in my, from my perspective, basically a confirmation it's all true. Why would you prosecute them if, if, if it wasn't? So uh, it 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 it's simply um, an enragement, and part of it was showing, I would gather, that uh, they were not on top of things. Of course, there were there was surveillance on the uh, Ecuadorian embassy and on Julian Assange and the activities of, of, of us in the in a group, uh, but they did not foresee. They couldn't foresee and didn't for, not foresee that this was coming. And uh, uh, for an intelligence service, that sort of hurt their credibility as well. Yeah, it seemed humiliating for them. But a lot of the issues that that sort of came forward. Forward, you know, in this article as well, it's just uh, 
it, it makes me wonder, you know, not just about the intelligence of the operators, but uh, uh, the, their, their ability to, to get accurate information uh, and, and work on it. Because, you know, that, that scenario where they were preparing to have a shootout in the streets of London outside the equatory, ram into cars and, uh, and uh, shoot at the tires of a Russian aeroplane, it was based on, on a totally false premise. Uh, they, they believed they had credible information that uh, uh, the Russians they were about to sort of uh, um, steal him out of the embassy and, and, and there would be an, a grand escape out of, of the actor embassy and, 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 and he would be moved to Russia. That, that was never any plan of that sort, never any plan of that sort. And they are conflating this with a discussion which was ongoing at this time about a strategic uh, uh, move to actually make Julian, an Ecuadorian citizen at that point, uh, a diplomat. Uh, and uh, uh, the discussion was this was in with, you know, with, uh, the Ecuadorian Foreign Service was, was thinking out this plan. What if we make him a diplomat and then he has diplomatic protection and then we, we assign him to uh, another embassy somewhere? And, you know, some options were probably put on the table there, and Moscow was one of it. And, uh, but that was dismissed outright by Julian, or any move of that sort. The idea, and this is actually on record, this, is, this has been reported on before, the idea was this, uh, you, pre you present the Brits with this option, now we have a diplomat in the embassy named Julian Assange. According to the Vienna Convention, you have, have, have two options. You can accept him as a diplomat and his credentials, or... You cannot, but then you would have to give him the right to leave the country. Um, so th that was the, the thinking with the, uh, the Ecuadorian Foreign Service. It never came came into into practicality. Uh, I think there's a lot of pressure was put on the Ecuadorians by the Brits as well to uh, to not go down this road. But, but this escape to Russia was was uh, uh, was total nonsense and. Uh, it is my theory, and it's supported by the uh, these uh, uh, witnesses uh, who are testifying in the Spanish case, in the UC Global case, that it's probably uh, uh, nonsense that they concocted and fed onwards, basically to justify the fact that they were billing the CIA $200,000 a month for, for their service, paid through Sheldon Adelson, late Sheldon Adelson, the the Los Angeles uh, casino mogul and big supporter of Trump and Pompeo. Uh, because at the same time, sort of uh, the, the same time frame, there was also other ridiculous stories coming out. One of the most notorious one was fed through a, a sleaze journalist at The Guardian. And Luke oh, yeah, Harding, Luke Harding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who, put, who, uh, who created the story with Guardian put on the front page that uh, they had, uh, you know, Bulletproof information that uh, Paul Manafort, the former campaign manager of Trump, had uh, frequently visited Julian Assange in the Ecuadorian embassy, and uh, and the the journalist went so far as to describe uh, uh, how Mr. Manafort was dressed when he uh, went to these meetings. I'm I'm never actually seen uh, uh, a newspaper trying to desperately sort of thin out the story in in in. in in real time over the next couple of hours when the entire world started laughing, you know, because this was all sorts of ridiculous stories. You know, they 
added, you could see it on the screen on, uh, on the Guardian website, you know, they added sources, say, to the headline and then sort of were rewriting the story as you could watch it and updating it without actually telling the readers. But uh, it was a very damaging story. But uh, uh, I'm fairly certain this was uh, the work of, uh, you know, the uh, information from these uh, security guards inside the embassy, UC Global, uh, with some help from uh, hostile elements within Ecuador intelligence and possibly the CIA as well. And uh, at that moment, of course, it was extremely hurtful because this was, uh, for Julian, this was uh, uh, at a time when uh, the... Uh, Mueller report was had not been published yet a few months earlier, and it fed the narrative. This was the uh, the smoking gun about all the collusion uh, bullshit that was being presented. And that totally collapsed, you know. And of course, later, but I'm I'm, I'm just saying this: is, there, there was so much disinformation being fed and all kinds of ridiculous things. Uh, but to read that uh, one of those ridiculous stories, you know, uh, or or that were floating around. Uh, and uh, that there was there was a plan to a sort of escape plan from uh, from the Ecuadorian embassy to, to to Russia, and that uh, these operatives were willing to draw up a, a plan for a shootout if it would happen with uh, Russian agents and uh, ram into their cars, and actually um, get the the Brits to agree to take part to do the shooting, according to that story. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, and it, um, I remember um, sort of similar talks in 2018 and earlier 2019, uh, where there were previous revelations that the, you know, as you talked about this indictment, was it was a panic move. It was sort of, it was the DOJ going, you know, Jesus Christ, we're, there is so much stupid shit actively being planned and actively being done. I mean, through Morales, the the owner of that Spanish spying company, they spied on and live streamed, as you mentioned, Assange's conversations with lawyers, uh, him meeting with David Miranda and Glenn Greenwald. Completely illegal shit. But where where do you see it now with the legal case? Because as he seems to be kind of in a limbo, Assange, where one judge in the UK has said he can't be extradited, but the high court has reversed that in January. I don't know exactly where they're at with that. I know that Biden said something like, well, if he came here, we wouldn't put him in ADX Florence. We wouldn't put him in like a 23 hour a day lockup, which is, I think a, a contingent on not extraditing him for some, for some of these nations that, the, that type of U.S. prison constitutes torture, so they can't do it. But it doesn't even; it does not seem like they could have they could bring this to trial. So, w- what I nobody, nobody can. There's, there's absolutely no chance. I mean, that, that would be you know a, a trial of Julian Assange with everything that we now know. The the case is so compromised that it, that that it's worse uh, than what actually led to the dismissal of the case against Daniel Ellsberg 50 mm-hmm. years ago. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually citing himself, and that's what he says. This yeah. is much worse than, than, than what he had endured and what led to the, the dismissal of, of the case and, and the collapse of the case against him, uh, the leaker of the Pentagon Papers. But 
you know, spying on legally privileged material. I mean, there's there was a break-in at the offices of his lawyers in Spain by masked men. Uh, nothing was sacred in this. And 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 where the case is now is that yes, Vanessa Berger, uh, uh, the magistrate court judge in January ruled that he should not be extradited because of fear of his his, his deteriorating health and he would actually have a risk of suicide given the condition that would await him. There was an, an, a request for an appeal, and the appeal was granted. And that appeal by the U.S. lawyers is now being heard at the end of uh, October in the London court, in the high court. And so it hasn't been ruled on. But I would think that given what we have now in, in the interim period uh, seen, and what has emerged, uh, there, there, there should be zero chance of an extradition. I mean, just give you one example. The Americans... Uh, in the appeal process, we're asking for uh, permission to basically argue their assurances. And what are the assurances? Yes, the assurances that they would treat him well, that he would get uh, the help he needed if extradited in the U.S. prisons, uh, etc., cetera, et cetera, that he would not be put in ADX Florence, although that's not the only maximum security prison in the U.S., and you could basically create those conditions in other prisons, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and, uh, and just to give you one sort of element in this, uh, there are so-called special administrative measures, SAMs, in prisons, which basically means that people are put in total isolation. It's solitary confinement. It's, uh, it's conditions which are tantamount to torture. Uh, as we saw in, in, in Chelsea Manning's case, and it's really hurtful. Now, it's up to this question of the CIA, whether he's put under SAMS or not, if he is extradited. So the scenario would be this, you know, no matter what, what kind of assurances you make in a London courtroom, which they have always kept open, they could overturn that at any point anyway. It, the, the, the fate of Julian Assange in a prison in the United States would be in the hands of the the three-letter agency that was planning to kill him. I mean, what more do you need? This is just, you know, this is so, so outrageous that you, you, you couldn't really write this in a, in a fiction. Nobody would believe it. You know, you, you, nobody would, would dismiss it as, as outrageous. Um, so, I mean, in my opinion, the entire case in London should, under any normal circumstances, have already collapsed, and it should be withdrawn. I mean, the appeal process should be withdrawn immediately, just to save the embarrassment of, of, of the U.S. Justice Department to have to have all this dragged in, in, into the courtroom. But more than that, I mean, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, it, it's ample time now that the, 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 uh, the Biden administration comes to understand that this is this is, is, is going to be such a stain on that administration, and it's going to get worse and worse as weeks go by if they don't stop this. I mean, it, it, it's not going to go away. It's getting worse by, the, by, the, by every week now. There is more information coming out. And uh, I can tell you, and that's my experience of, as a journalist for 30 years, when you have this scope of information coming out, as we've had in the last few weeks, with 30 individuals willing to, uh, to give information to, uh, the, to the Yahoo News journalists, we're absolutely going to see more coming out. 
and it's not going to be a pretty picture. So, I mean, the only available um, thing on the table now is basically to drop the indictment. And I hope that's going to be the case, and it has to be soon, because uh, as of uh, last week, Julian has been a remanded prisoner in a maximum security prison in London for more than two years. For two years, an innocent man on remand. This is way surpassing everything that is the, the sort of extreme benchmark for the European Court of Human Rights, for any 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 civilized country to, to allow this to happen. It's just outrageous. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain that the reason this hasn't been addressed yet in the US is, is the fact that there has been little reporting on Julian's case. There is a lot of hostilities uh, towards him yet among the general public because there's a misunderstanding about the work of WikiLeaks and about what we're all about, you know, what, what, what we have been doing. I mean, we are now celebrating the 15th birthday of, of WikiLeaks, uh, you know, in the next few days. And... Uh, uh, you know, just look at what we've been doing. And I, I can tell you a story which sort of uh, puts things into context in my mind. You know, I'm Icelandic, uh, you know, so I'm uh, but, but a, a big fan of, of, of uh, uh, a lot of elements in the U.S. I was a correspondent in New York in the 90s, studied in Florida for, you know, a, a, an exchange student for a year. In the beginning of 2011, when we were in the middle of Cablegate release, uh, a year-long project that was cut short because of the stupidity of, of a Guardian journalist, uh, there was a lot of anger in the, uh, in the U.S. administration for what we were uh, revealing. This was a, a very meticulous process we were going through, uh, gathering, uh, uh, cooperating with media organizations all around the world. There were more than 100 in the end. And and uh, uh, trusting our uh, media partners with uh, uh, redacting material or sensitivity, and, and it was a it was a good process. And uh, stories coming out week after week after week uh, all around the world. Um, and there was a lot of embarrassment, uh, but uh, and anger and strong words at the time in, in uh, by the politicians in the states. And uh, even the word high-tech terrorist was used uh, about Julian Assange. At this time, in, in uh, the early uh, months of, of 2011, uh, Ipsos Mori made a, a, a poll in, in 25 countries, which they do regularly you know, on various subjects. And for some reason, they decided to, to uh, ask the, the populace in, in those countries uh, what they did, thought about uh, WikiLeaks, whether it was a force of good or... <laughs> It was sort of an approval rating measure, which has never been done since, uh, understandably given the result. And in all countries but one, there was a, a, a majority of the population were on our side and thought that the WikiLeaks was uh, doing the right thing. And the approval rating was so high that I think in the highest were in South Africa and India, 90 to 95%. There was only one country where the... Uh, it, it was a, a, a small minority who thought that uh, uh, WikiLeaks was a force for good. But still, over 40% of Americans at that time thought that we were doing a good job, which I thought was astonishing. As said, your administration is saying that, that uh, WikiLeaks are, 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 are high-tech terrorists, uh, but still, 
this large proportion of, of Americans thought that this was good news, that we were doing a proper journalistic job. But um, I think uh, I, I think that prompted people to think and uh, start uh, a long process, uh, which you guys know from uh, the uh, the dark part of, of U.S. history, 50, 60 years ago, uh, of undermining undermining the individual, uh, trying to attack him and uh, uh, smearing him in every possible manner. Uh, and, and that uh, was uh, somewhat a successful process. Yeah. But these are starting to change again. And I, I believe, and I, you know, we have to look at long terms, Julian has suffered a great deal for his good work. Uh, but this is coming to an end because it has to come to an end. Uh, we have all organizations uh, who are concerned about human rights, freedom of speech, now on Julian side because they know the serious implication if we take this step in basically equating and criminalizing journalism. That cannot happen in our part of the world. It is not, cannot happen. Um, so uh, I, am, I am optimistic on, on that point. And, uh, of course, this, this article in Yahoo News uh, uh, helps in uh, cementing that belief that this is coming to an end. Yeah, in the past 10 years, it seemed like there was a cultural shift around this, especially in 2016, that, I mean, you're always going to run into an obstacle in America because Americans just do not want to think about the empire. You'll have periods where people are more into it uh, 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 just out of being aggressive or perceived revenge for 9-11 or whatever. But for the most part, I mean, it, it's been a conscious policy by the U.S. national security state to make this something that's sort of out of sight, out of mind. We don't want to think about what CENTCOM's doing. We don't want to th think about what AFRICOM's doing. Afghanistan was out of the news for, you know, 10 years. Um, and you're always going to have just the majority of people are not thinking about this. But it seemed like among the people that actively think about this, there was, yeah, a very successful smear of WikiLeaks and of Assange, especially in 2016. I mean, the Russia shit was it was one of the best things that could have happened to parts of the U.S. NATSEC state that wanted to smear him. And, you know, of course, you mentioned that ridiculous Harding article. It was the Guardian actually put up an apology for that, then took the apology down. That's how little they wanted people to think about that shit. But you, so you, you do feel some cause for optimism with American public opinion. I'm sensing. Yes, I, 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 I do so because I mean, there, there are, I mean, there are good people and they, they, uh, they are principled. And I mean, you have, uh, you have, uh, um, in, place, you know, uh, excellent tools which are admired around the world. I mean, the First Amendment is, is something that is an enemy to uh, a lot of nations. And uh, But you just cannot uh, be the champion of freedom of speech and the freedom of the press uh, outside your, you know, uh, on one hand and, and, and preach that and, and then uh, try to criminalize journalism and stifle freedom of expression uh, at the same time. And Interesting enough, I mean, uh, there are uh, oppressive leaders in, in other countries that are picking up on that. Uh, and, uh, you know, you have the uh, Azerbaijan president, uh, the, the Chinese uh, uh, foreign 
service official, uh, uh, you have uh, even the Russians, you know, basically saying, you know, why are you criticizing us for, you know, imprisoning Navalny or, or who are you to judge? I mean, why is Julian Assange in prison? So the credibility is, 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 uh, is, is already damaged. But of course, that can be reversed. But this has to end. This is the biggest challenge against press freedom in, in our hemisphere in, uh, in this century. And it has to stop. So just uh, going back a little bit to the legal case, it seems like the Biden administration is aware of what we've talked about, that this could not possibly go to trial. This, it just, this would be ridiculous. But it seems like they've sort of painted themselves into a corner here where they're going, well, we can't exactly bring this to trial in the United States, but we don't want to let him go. I mean, on your end, would it be accurate to say that they're just going to come up with new things to keep him in Belmarsh and torture him? I mean, that's a possibility, but I mean, that's not going to be very credible after, after all we've learned uh, and yeah. attempt to sort of throw something new in there. I mean, everything has been sort of uh, exposed as being uh, totally hollow and without any merits. So, I mean, how is that going to credibly uh, help to, to bring up something new? It's not. It simply mm-hmm. is not going to happen. Um, you will always ask, well, why don't you bring this forward earlier? I mean, so, yeah. I mean that, that's not going to happen. But you can actually, it's all, you could actually put, almost put a finger on the troubles that are in the Biden administration with the issue. Nobody wants to answer to it. Nobody wants to answer any questions. You know, Saki uh, 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 in the White House uh, say, well, you have to talk to the Department of Justice. So when the Department of Justice asked about uh, CIA spying, so, oh, you talked about the CIA. Nobody wants to take uh, responsibility and answer anything. And, and Biden was very careful to, to dodge any question about Julian Assange when he was campaigning. And uh, so I, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's probably problematic to some uh, point. Uh, how do you unwind this? How do you get out of this? But, but let's make it clear. I mean, we now know uh, for a fact that uh, the Obama Department of Justice decided not to indict Julian Assange because they were aware of the, the First Amendment implication. Uh, so this is basically Trump's legacy. And uh, that's enough. Just, you know, just admit that this went out of hand. Uh, elements within the, uh, the, the, the agency or CIA just went rogue. And now we just correct things. I mean... I just can't believe that, that Biden wants this, and the Biden administration wants this hang over their head for the, in, the next four years. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's not uh, uh, a lucrative prospects because I said earlier, it's, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Yeah, and as, as you're saying, they have a pretty easy out. For a Democratic president, he can just go, oh, well, you know, Trump DOJ and Trump CIA fucked this up. Even though it's, you know, it's, really the same beast it's the same part of the blob no matter what but it's a pretty easy out if they wanted to avoid the embarrassment yeah and it's it's, it's justified to take that route i mean yeah. many ways because i mean uh if, if you look at the composition of the doj and how it was how it was horribly you know politicized under trump you know with the uh, if, if they if, and, and there was an unwillingness to to uh, sort of uh, uh, unwind that and, and bring things you know 
quote unquote back to normal. Uh, but that that is a, there's a way to do that. Of course, the danger is that they, if they start cleaning house, you know, there would be an accusation that Biden is doing the same thing as Trump was doing, you know, as politicizing the the process. But it's the only way. How do you deal with uh, politicized decisions taken under your predecessor? You, it have, has to be dealt with with firm political decisions. So it, you know, once you throw politics into the process, you can only remove it. Uh, with politics. So there is no way of escaping that. You just have to address it. And, uh, you know, let me hope that there is uh, enough common sense and, and decency and justice uh, left in these circles to actually take the do the right thing. Well, one thing I can say is a lot of journalists listen to our show. Uh, it's fun for all of them to, you know, being on the joke with us to joke with us on Twitter. But I would hope that if they're hearing this, they can do their part and make an issue out of this. There are many journalists who listen to this, who write stories that people actually read. And I really, really hope this strikes at some part of their conscience and they can, they can sort of break the American silence on this. I do hope that as well, because this is a story. This is a huge story. With very huge implications as well. And uh, just just from your end, for the other ninety nine point nine percent of our listeners who are not journalists, it, what what can just normal people do to help? Well, I mean, they can they can actually put pressure on the uh, uh, the this zero point one percent, actually the journalists, to actually mm-hmm. report on this and say, well, why why didn't I know this? Why why am I learning this now? I mean, it, so they, they they need information and accurate information. I'm not asking for distorted information or or, or uh, just objective reporting. Uh, they can put pressure on 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 their lawmakers and their uh, in the vicinity and mobilize uh, online and in person and just demand just justice. You know, there's a, a, a plenty of venues where you can take part uh, in, uh, in in cyberspace uh, and uh, and and make your mark. And uh, I, I think that uh, uh, slowly and gradually this will seep in when you get the right information. And uh, that will change the tide. That will change the tide. I'm certain of it. And oh. especially, I mean, if, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the, the only answer I have. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, I, I have to believe in, 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 in journalists' uh, activity and that uh, it has uh, a power to bring justice about. Otherwise, I wouldn't have... I've decided to make that my 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 work uh, and and spend these decades on that. Yeah, and and there is an indication that there is a there is a change. At least it's being reported on now in the U.S. media. There was a total blackout and silence for a very long time. Uh, if if uh, so, it was either negative reporting or nothing. But uh, then it became nothing, and uh, now let's hope that there is. Uh, uh, more and more just objective reporting uh, in the sort of spirit of, of that uh, that story by Isakov and then his pals. Well, uh, unbelievably, we have a, a rare optimistic note to end the show on. It's very, very rare for us. But uh, Kristen, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. I have only, I have, I, I don't have any uh, option but uh, to have uh, to be optimistic about uh, the ability to change. 
uh, I am outraged so reading these these this, this horror stories. I am outraged what what Julian has had to endure uh, for the last decade plus. Uh, but uh, uh, it's all been uh, in the public interest. There's no doubt in my mind. WikiLeaks has been a, a, a power of change in in journalism and. Uh, we probably would not have seen Snowden if it would have not been for WikiLeaks. Mm-hmm. We would not probably seen the, the large cross-border cooperation on the Panama Papers if it had not been for Snowden and WikiLeaks. We've introduced a new model. We've introduced uh, the secure means for whistleblowers and sources to submit information, which is now a household uh, household uh, apparatus in every, every major mainstream media outlet. So... The legacy of, 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 of WikiLeaks is already there. It has changed journalism, uh, but um, it has been a, a bloody battle. And uh, in my opinion, Julian Assange has, has paid a price which has been a very de- uh, dear price for that. And, uh, and that is, yeah, enough, enough is enough. It has to come to an end. Absolutely. Well, uh, I want to thank you again and... Yeah, anything that you want people to check out or any call to action, we can put in the description to this episode. But yeah, I want to thank you again for your time and thank you for keeping up the fight. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. All right. Thanks again to Felix for uh, quarterbacking that interview. And uh, now let's, let's close out the show with a reading series today about everyone's favorite senator. She's the most famous woman in, woman in America. That's right. I'm talking Kirsten Cinema. What, what I mean, what more can one say about about Kirsten? Um, I'd like to, I mean, again, once you preface uh, this reading series by saying, you know, as we have many times before on the show, it, it I mean, she is a she is a like an unbelievable twit, as we'll come across in in this article. I'm hoping, but the important thing to remember about her is not to get too not to get too invested in any one person because she is she is playing a role right now. I mean, and she's playing it to a T. But I mean, just keep in mind that like. What's going on right now with her and Manchin is that like everybody like not not like the moderate caucus, but like even people like Jonathan Shate are just like finally like lost their patience with them. And they're just saying like we we're willing to negotiate. But like, what do you want us to do? Like, like, let's let's horse trade. Like, what do you want from this bill? Like, what do you want to cut? Uh, just give, give us something. And they're just saying like, I don't know. I'm I'm out of here. I'm, I got a, I got a, I got an Iron Man to train for. I'm beast. I'm gone. And, you know, like this is I mean. I mean, she tell you something that like there's nothing to trade over because like they're not there to negotiate. They're there to fucking backstop the 12 other Democratic senators that don't want anything in this reconciliation bill either. So uh, well, that being said, uh, did you see the thing today where some activists uh, did some bathroom warrior tactics to her and people were mad about that? Yeah, uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't let her take a wine dump. <laughs> and you know people people that was, saying, I was I was part of the activist group. I actually dressed up like a toilet and was sitting there with my mouth open in the stall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding everybody. I didn't do that. <laughs> I am confronting I am confronting Senator Cinema in the bathroom at Bergheim in that Berlin. Would be so funny if there was like a guy in that activist group who's like suggests that. They're like, no, we're going to put pressure on her and record her. And he's like, oh, I know. I'll like dress up like a toilet. 
Oh, oh, I know, I know, I know. I can like, um, I can, we can make a porta potty and dig a hole under the ground, and I can stand there with my mouth open. And, they're and then like, somebody they're says, like, they're like, they say, Steve, that's not going to help. That's not going to make her pass the reconciliation bill. And he goes, reconciliation bill. <laughs> yeah, He's like, oh, I thought we were just all perverts. I thought now, this was, <laughs> damn, my bad. And, you know, like, I, I'll just like, I just like to add to the chorus of people saying, like, look, I know we're all angry. We're all angry at Miss, Mrs. Miss Cinema right now. But, like, you know, senators are people, too. They need their privacy. You know, like, there should be a line drawing. You shouldn't harass people in bathrooms. And i just like to say I agree with that 100%. If you are going to confront a senator, don't do it in the bathroom. Uh, do it when they're walking through the kitchen of the Ambassador Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, like, just Joke, on... Not a real, not a real incitement to violence. <laughs> just, like, just, like, on principle, I think this should be, like, every moment of a senator's life. Like, the, that's the trade-off. Like, if you're a senator... Yeah. You're one of the one of the most evil people in your state. Like that's well established. But like the trade off, and I feel like most of them would make this trade is like you can't go to the bathroom without people yelling at you and like going in your <laughs> stall and like asking you to sign something. Like, I kind of think though that she became a senator hoping people would yell at her in a bathroom and put it on the internet. Well, I mean, I think this will come across in the in the in this op-ed piece I'm going to read about uh, about Senator Cinema here. I mean, because it's like, I mean, I mean, people have like speculated about her. Like, what's the calculus here? Like, does she not like does she not care about any of the people who voted for her? Well, it's like, well, obviously not. But does she care about re-election? And I think Matt, you're right. We were talking about this the other day. I think it's a kind of an open question whether she does care about actually being in the Senate or not. I think I think she may be a different breed. She may be a, a new variation on 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 uh, the sort of species of politician in America. Because like one of the reasons that the parties have sort of broken down and they can no longer uh, perform the role of like a coherent political party with a with an agenda is that all of the traditional party uh, disciplinary mechanisms have break broken down. Uh, and and any belief in the party structure or of the job of being in Congress or in the Senate, uh, meaning anything, has broken down. So it has incentivized uh, individual political entrepreneurs, people with their own idiosyncratic point of view and and uh, and agenda. And that means that sometimes you're going to just have a manic pixie dream senator who decides that uh, being the center of attention is way more important than any political agenda. And so what it, there's that, I mean, that's what the, the system is designed to incentivize that. That's what you're going to get. And what is Ms. Cinema's agenda? As far as I can discern, it's, I can't stop drinking wine. <laughs> she loves it. She loves drinking wine. She's interning at a winery. She's basically like if one of those, if the, if uh, a shelf full of knickknacks and wall placards at, Crate and Barrel got hit by lightning and came to life. I forget who said it, but it was like one of the best tweets I think I've ever seen in, in recent memory. I forget who said it. I must credit them properly. But um, uh, someone said that uh, Kristen Cinema is like if Joss Whedon could invent his own mother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kristen Cinema should be called Senorita Awesome. <laughs> Chris, can you put the Senorita Awesome clip in here? That's Kristen Cinema going to Starbucks every day. <laughs> Actually, I just want a regular coffee. Those white girl pumpkin spice lattes annoy me. I'm in love. <laughs> Name? Senorita Awesome. Um, okay, so uh, 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 this piece on, uh, on cinema uh, comes courtesy of Maureen Dowd, who is, you know, I mean, she's been on, she's been on the Daffy Broad beat for a long time here at the New York Times. So Right what you know. <laughs> yeah. This is cinema stars in her own film. 
by uh, Maureen Dowd. So it begins here. Just like the original Sphinx, the Phoenix Sphinx is blocking the way until those who would move ahead solve her riddle. What does Kristen Cinema want? And why doesn't she stick around to explain it? Um, just like the original Sphinx, she is also uh, part lion and uh, is talking to a guy who will have sex with his mother. Uh, so it says, somehow we've gotten ourselves in a perverse situation where cinema and Joe Manchin rule the world. And it's confounding that these two people have this much sway. As Hemingway wondered in the snows of Kilimanjaro, what are those leopards doing at this altitude? Did you guys ever read the snows of Kilimanjaro? I'm, yeah. I mean, like, both things kind of make sense. Like, that's just leopards hanging out. And it's like, if you're going to have a Senate, like, yeah, these two are going to be pretty powerful. I mean, maybe she's a snow leopard. You ever, you ever, you ever consider that? Uh, Maureen Dowd continues, Cinema and Manchin are now directing what Joe Biden gets to do and deciding how his presidency will be defined. Some Democrats even worry that the recalcitrant pair could be helping Donald Trump vault back into the White House. The two have created such havoc on the Hill, with the fate of the whole country riding on the mo what mood they're in, that congressional reporters have come up with Benefer-style nicknames for them, including Manchinema and Cinemanch. Which one do you guys prefer, Manchinema or Cinemanch? I like Cinemanch. Yeah, I like Cinemanch. Cinemanch Toast yeah. Crunch. <laughs> it, it, it you know, brings to the imagination a good version of Cinemax, where you know, there's some like male cheesecake. There's some male softcore. I don't know what that would look like. I think just like the beginning of the shaft. There's like less things the man can show that are soft core. Uh, I get, yeah, just like the shaft. You could do the gray sweatpants challenge, stuff like that. Democrats were irritated at cinema again on Friday. Even as Biden traipsed up to Capitol Hill to try to rescue his FDR dreams, cinema flew back to Phoenix in the middle of nail-biting negotiations on the scope of Biden's social policy bill. Her spokesman said that she had a doctor's appointment for a foot injury, but the Times reported that she was also slated to play footsie with donors at her political action committee's dinner at a fancy resort. So <laughs> I, she, had, she had a foot doctor appointment, but um, yeah, no, she like, I mean, this is the whole thing here is that like, she's not, she's not there to negotiate anything. She's there to stop anything from happening. And like, you can, you can complain about it. Like, Oh, like, Oh, what? I mean, they've been telling progressives for years, like, oh, you have to negotiate to get what you want. But they don't want anything here. Yeah. They don't want anything. They just want to stop any, any bills it's from very being easy. passed. It's very easy when that's what you want. You don't have to worry about horse trading. You don't have to worry about uh, killing your babies. You could just do whatever. You could just hang out. You can just vibe. And, you know, for the, for the progressive caucus or whatever, like, I mean, they, they, yeah, they have the cement shoes on of, 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 of at least some policy goals that they'd like to get done. Like, I don't know, slightly lowering the price of prescription drugs or, I don't know, adding vision to Medicare or something like that. But like uh, to do that, they have to negotiate away virtually everything to get even like, you know, one one hundredth of what is necessary. But yeah, like if you don't actually want to accomplish anything, and in fact, the reason for you being in politics is to stop any legislation from happening or uh, bills from being passed, then yeah, like it's it's just they're holding every card here. Um, and if you've got and if you've got your own political action committee hosting foot foot dinners at fancy foot massage parlors, then you know you're sitting pretty. You're sitting real pretty if you're Senator Cinema. Um, it says here the Times the Times is Jonathan Wiseman got a hold of an invitation to another fundraiser for Cinema this past week with five business lobbying groups, many of which are fighting against the social policy bill. People who want to think they can understand her or get get to her. Let me tell you, you can't, one Politico in her inner circle told me. 
It doesn't work that way with her. She doesn't think in a linear process like, okay, will this impact my reelection? She just beats her own drum. When she leaves in the middle of something or says, I've got stuff to do, it's because she has plans. Sometimes she's just more interested in training for an Ironman. More power to her, man. It's like watching a movie. Her life a movie. Yeah, what movie is that? She's <laughs> like the woman who like works out a lot. She becomes a senator even though she just like doesn't want to go to work. It's a movie called the The Woman Everyone Hates. Yeah. No, I mean like that that's the thing. Like the Politico uh is probably her comms director. And like even they just like they don't want to say what we're saying directly. The obvious thing here that like yeah, Mansion and Cinema's role is just roadblocks to completely stop this from happening. So it's like you have to sell her shitty personality as exciting. But, like, yeah. every, I mean, like, every American has met a Kristen Cinema. I think, like, Kristen Cinema probably does deserve to be in some type of, like, body that's representative of the American people because I would say this is, like, 12% of American women over 30. <laughs> um, it says here <clears throat> the Arizona senator's name is pronounced Cinema. And it is apt because she sweeps and sometimes when the triathlete has a sports injury, limps through the Senate like a silent film star. So the she's not even like good at triathlons. <laughs> she's always like fucking herself up. Uh, I guess she's a silent film star because she doesn't talk much or negotiate or really do her job. Uh, it says here, the Greta Garbo of Congress, as one top Democrat called her. Uh, I mean, the one, that, that one top Democrat, like he just thought of the first actress he could think of and it was Greta Garbo because <laughs> yeah. he's 98 years old. <laughs> Uh, She's the Al Jolson of Congress. <laughs> <laughs> Cinema rarely gives interviews and shuns the scrum of reporters at the Capitol, but she is not shy about drawing the spotlight, whether she is swathed in fur stoles or bedecked in pink, purple, and mint-colored wigs or bedazzling in glittering stilettos. <laughs> It's hard to believe that the Senate had a nutty sexist ban on sleeveless outfits on the floor, but the mandarins quit worrying about it for members once their colleague blithely turned the hallowed marble halls into an iconoclastic catwalk. Yeah, I think that ban should come back. <laughs> yeah, Kristen Cinema like has, you know, traumatic brain injury from a car accident swag. Her, her, her swag level is like, yeah, we're like letting her dress herself now. <laughs> it's like not great, but she needs it to like have reclaim her own agency after the accident. Cinema's more conservative and monochromatic colleagues were agog at her stylings when she first ascended to the Senate, a moment when she was celebrated as the first openly bisexual senator. And they were appalled this past year when her fashion statements included presiding over the Senate in a pink sweater reading Dangerous Creature. <laughs> <laughs> when she, when, oh yeah no yeah that's when the, there was a manic pixie dream girl moment with like Mitt Romney was on some committee with her and was like oh you're gonna break the internet he's like he he's the only person who's like excited to see her because he legitimately has not met a woman like that oh god in no the, yeah. In the, yeah in the Mormon world that woman yeah that's like practically a witch Mitt, Rom Mitt Romney is putting together the perfect mixtape for cinema right yeah. now. <laughs> she like touched his forearm and he like grinded his cock against like a wood wood banister for three hours. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, in a pink sweater reading Dangerous Creature. 
And when she put a picture on Instagram following her defiant thumbs down on a $15 minimum wage, sporting a hot pink newsboy cap, matching oversized glasses, <laughs> and a ring that expressed the sentiment, kiss off, but in a more vulgar way. Remember that this is a, a town so straight-laced, it was a sartorial scandal when President Barack Obama donned a tan suit. I mean... I, 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 it's like I feel like people. I I I'd sort of forgotten about the thumbs down moment, but like man, like it, if she is a, if she is fucking mad about people hassling her in a bathroom when she went on like C-SPAN and was just like fuck off to anyone who wants fifteen dollars an hour. It's just like bring a bucket to the floor of the Senate and pee in that if you don't want people yelling at you because that's the one place on the earth where anyone where, where most of the people actually are like you and are are not mad at you. I'm like, that's probably why she can get away with her kooky fashion choices and no one cares because she is like the perfect American senator. She is she's like she fits the role of what that institution is and what it represents better than most people. Yeah, we've gotten to the point where we can dispense with any horseshit about representing anybody but yourself. Yeah, her. her yeah, no, her life, a movie. And, you yeah. know, we're all just extras in it. <laughs> uh, it says here, cinema enjoys poking the bear especially the more righteous wing of her party, <laughs> the wing of her party that would like, <laughs> that would like a $15 an something. hour minimum wage <laughs> or, or for, prescri- for insulin to not cost $700 a while. Prevent every bridge <laughs> in the country from collapsing. Uh, as he says here, um, uh, cinema, uh, especially the more righteous wing of her party, but her allies cry sexism in the way she is treated by Democrats compared Who with her allies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, just <laughs> the Republican Party. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, yeah, like, Alec? Yeah, well, I mean, no, I think I realize, as we said before, it's like senators like Chris Coons and Mark Warner and guys like that who, like, who want to, who, like, they, they want to play the face and not the heel so that they, like, depend on her to, like, block, you know, something like, hey, can we lower the price of prescription drugs by 25 cents? And they're yeah, like, can, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, can we cover glasses in seven years on Medicare? <laughs> For all like for like Americans who are just about to die, can we pay for them to go to lens crafters like seven years from now? No. <laughs> um, he goes. Uh, I don't think that in her mind, when she dyes the front of her hair purple or whatever she does, whatever she does, she's trying to get press attention. One told me, frankly, it's just an expression of who she is. And this is what this he said, Matt. It's like, yeah, being in the Senate is just an expression of Kristen. It's just Kristen being Kristen. She's it's feeling just, herself. Yeah. So, I mean, when she, when she dyes her hair a funky color, that's just she got up and she's like, just another manic Monday. Um, when progressives may disdain Joe, I've never been a liberal mansion. They understand that he has a record as a conservative Democrat. Cinema is a puzzle to them. What caused the former social, work, social worker and Green Party champion who grew up in a gas station, a left winger who supported Ralph Nader for president, to shift from progressive stances to more conservative ones? Is she unmoored in her politics simply by being opportunistic? What is the principle that is leading her to obstruct the party of her own president who really needs a win right now? She doesn't do interviews. She doesn't answer questions. She speaks in vagaries. She doesn't explain the core reason she's opposed. One member of the progressive crew on the Hill told me, it's hard to look at her actions and not conclude that the donations are part of the story. If she's here to fight for, cor- fight for corporate power and lower taxes for the wealthy and get more money from pharma executives, be on the level and say it. Well, I mean, I, 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 think, uh, I think she basically is saying it. But, like, but, you know, this goes back to the thing. Is, like, is, is this really about she thinks it's the right thing to do? Is this really about donations and re-elections and all that shit like that? Or does she just like being, like, she's just cinema being cinema. She likes getting attention. She likes being kooky. And, like, this is a way to be 
like, you know, the kooky girl in the romantic comedy that like is klutzy and then she takes off her glasses and you're like, oh, wow, she's a 10 out of 10. Yeah, and then like this straight-laced guy in town, maybe a guy who worked in private equity, maybe a guy who's like never done anything but put his penis in his wife's vagina and sit there for nine hours. Maybe a guy like that. Uh, she's like, goes out on the town with him and he gets a vodka and milk for the first time in his life. And, and then he's I, like, I'm leaving you, Anne, you bitch. <laughs> I found an epic woman. And he like does finger, he does like Mormon finger paints. Mormon finger paints? Yeah. Is that a sex no, thing? No, no, this isn't like soaking. This is like. I don't know. You'd like paint like classic Mormon themes, like closing a real estate deal or like getting your own planet. <laughs> you'd like it would you do a finger paint of like you liberating Auschwitz, but you're like you're baptizing everyone. <laughs> you got there too late, but it's like, don't worry, you're gonna be able to be a servant on my planet. Well, you're I mean, gonna be able to work at the CVS on the planet that I'm a god of when I die. Well, I mean, and I, before that, you just you gotta hang out. Sorry. Well, I mean, I think we've I think we found out what she's really after here, which is just like people say, oh, donations, reelection, um, the gratitude of her constituents, um, doing something for the country, public service. No, that's small ball. She's thinking long term, get my own planet. Yep. And everyone, uh, everyone who dies of a preventable illness will be her slave in the afterlife. It is yeah. even, even better than getting your rocks off with a boy or girl. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I, she is. She is perfect for this role because, yeah, I mean, she's sort of like the bad girls club senator. She does. She <laughs> likes negative attention. I think. But yeah, I think no, that's, I think that's like, it. I think but that's I don't really think it. That's, I don't think that's unique to her. I think like every senator kind of likes it. Like, I think I don't think like in my heart of hearts, I think like Barbara Boxer or not Barbara Boxer, the Diane Feinstein is probably like like anyone who's like 90, like kind of wants to fucking die. Well, it, I like, mean, but sucks. not without like, taking a everyone, lot of people Everyone with you've ever, like, loved for a long enough time is, like, dead. Your kids are like, oh, Jesus Christ, I have to, like, make sure she doesn't, like, kill herself in the shower. Your, your like, body doesn't work. You, like, can't do anything. Like, most, like, people who make it there, like, they sort of passively want to die, at least. But she's, like, going up to run for re-election because, like, in her heart, that's what kind of person every senator is. She likes that, like in some level, that like makes someone mad. I just, I just. Saw it's the, the same reason. It's the same reason. Like, I don't know. If Bill Gates is like a pedophile, but like he wanted to go to that island because it's like, yeah, fuck you, I can do it. No, yeah, I, I saw. I read the other day that Chuck Grassley is running for re-election. The dude is ninety exactly. years old. He's ninety fucking years old, and like he probably wants right. to fucking. And die. the funny thing is, like, uh, cinema is like not even close to being elderly. Like, she's probably one of the youngest people in the Senate. So, like, I mean, but she still has the same mentality, which is like, yeah, if you're a senator, once you get in the Senate, like the chances that you're going to lose that seat are like pretty pretty low. I mean, you've got it for life, basically. And it doesn't matter if you're fucking 101 years old. You can just stand there and be hated by everyone. And you know what? That's probably what real power feels like, is to be hated by virtually every person in the country and know that there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. Yeah. And why do you do something? Because you can do it. She made it to that level. Of course you can do it. And none of this, like, all the other shit, like, oh, she was a Green Party woman, blah, blah, blah. Like, that shit doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs> that's just fucking that's not real. nothing. That's nothing. Oh, she voted yeah, for Nader? Shit. I mean, good for, good for her. But, like, the thing is, you're right. Like, if she had, um, you know, 
even even just played the role of what like a tech like technically a moderate democratic senator should do to just be like mm, can we offset this spending and means testing or something like that um it, like if she had essentially just supported uh biden's agenda would she be getting talked about in the news and on this show as much as she is no no so there we go uh happy to give cinema more attention uh just dowd closes out here by saying and why would a senator go off in the summer of 2020 to take a paid internship at a donor's Sonoma County winery? One thing is clear, though. When Americans are hurting and everything on, is on the line, behaving like a sphinx is riddlesome and disquieting. Yeah, but what are you going to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> Literally nothing you can. <laughs> I mean, you could, you could try to do like Oedipus did and, you know, answer that goofy riddle correctly. But I mean, I think we, I think we, I think we did here today. She's, she's a messy bitch who loves drama. Um, she's a kooky girl from a romantic comedy. She's klutzy. And the thing she's klutzing over is, <laughs> are millions of people going to live or die over the next 20 years or not? Yeah. Are you going to get deported from a country you've lived in since you were a toddler? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm so indecisive. I'm procrastinating. Well... Uh, best of luck to uh, Senator Cinema. She's gonna one of these days. She's gonna take off those glasses, and Mitt Romney will beam her straight up to his planet. All right, gang. I think that does it for today's episode. Um, until next time, gentlemen. Bye bye. Bye bye. A longtime friend of the pro-Israel movement. Senator Kirsten Cinema of Arizona. <laughs>